please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Corey Smith, one half of uh, Visually Inclined. We are a, a production company and a group of guys who really enjoy watching films and talking about them on a very unproductive level. So we have recently decided to start a podcast where we will be discussing films, actors, actresses, uh, the crew of the films, the directors, everything that's involved, and we are here. And to my right, I've got Martin Tucker. Hey, what's going on? And to my left, I've got Tremaine Johnson, the other half of Visually Inclined. You got it, man. Young Treasy. And we are here. And the reason why we're here today on this first episode is that as a group, we all decided to go see Moonlight recently, Woo-hoo. a coming-of-age story about uh, a young man from uh, the streets of Miami, I guess, if you want to call it. I don't know the exact Dade area. County. Dade County. I, I, he was from, what was it, Liberty City? Was it, Martin? Um, I think they did say Liberty City. I thought it was Dade County. Yeah. Okay. Well, isn't that within Dade well, County, yeah. Liberty City? I thought Miami was in Dade County, as in it's part of... But either way, that we don't... I don't. Right. Well, guys from Miami. What I'm saying is that I think Liberty City is like a neighborhood in Miami, okay. and Miami is in Dade County. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, you know, Tidewater Park. Yeah. You know what I mean? In so we all went to go see the movie. We all thought the movie was uh, pretty pretty great. And I'm jumping ahead, but what we just one of our motivations for tonight was that we saw the movie, and the movie is three parts of one guy's life. And they're all played by three different actors who, for the most part, I believe is their f- first couple outings. This isn't, they're relatively new to the scene. Yeah. Okay. I mean, as far as I can, as far as I can tell, um, I've never seen any of those three guys. You talk, we're talking about the ones who play Chiron, yes. correct? Yes, the main. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never seen any of the three actors. So with that, uh, we decided also to say tonight we're going to talk about some breakout performances. This guy... Uh, these three uh, gentlemen, and actually a young kid. Actually, uh, yeah, that one, you know, the oldest guy, right? Mm-hmm. He oh, was yeah. in uh, Westworld. Okay, all right. Oh, was he? Yeah, he he had, I think that was him. He was in He was in one of the episodes of Westworld. Like, he was one of the tourists who was, like, having sex with the prostitutes and whatnot. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. that's oh, probably why go. I didn't notice him. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, you know, paying attention to any male thrusting in, <laughs> in an HBO show, so... Well, eventually tonight, we wanted to segue into breakout performances. We felt that this movie was comprised of multiple breakout performances, and eventually we want to get to our top three breakout performances uh, that we felt from an acting perspective. Right. Oh, and and I'm sorry to cut you off. Before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge... uh, have a moment of silence for Jesse Torres, who's not here, who who would be here with us, and who will be with following episodes. Just a quick moment of silence. Okay, that's enough. All right, All right. continue with your. There you saying. go. So and uh, for and we didn't set any parameters on the the breakout performance. So we will all bring, I think, a different reason for each breakout performance. Whether that is uh, that led to that person's career being established, whether that meant that person is finally being taken serious as an actor or an actress. Right. Um, a variety of reasons. So so basically what you're saying is that the term sub, uh, breakout performance is subjective. To I personally believe it is very subjective. Okay. So. I can agree with that. What do you think about that, Martin? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty 
good with uh, subjective because I don't. I think mine would be subjective. It's really just what I like. Like three thing, three uh, actors I can remember that I like. Okay. So and so and so and you're just tracing it back to like when the first time you saw them and they caught your attention. Yeah, I mean, I it might not be the first time I saw them, but it was probably the first time where I'm like, okay, they're they're on a certain trajectory. They're going. They're gonna get more roles. They're gonna go somewhere. Right. And I, I guess for like I, there there was a lot of uh, a lot of performances that I really love where the actors didn't really go with where I thought they were gonna go, so I didn't like include them. Like I, I guess the breakout is really based off of like their career after that role. Okay. So are we gonna talk about Moonlight or? Oh yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think we should, man. Moonlight first and foremost was, I mean, to me, this is Treasy talking, right? Uh, Moonlight was popping. And that's just for, you know, my shitty vocabulary. But I really liked the perspective of this particular coming-of-age story. Um, and the fact that, I mean, at this point, you know, if anybody's seen the trailer, it shouldn't be a surprise that Chiron was homosexual, right? Um, for me, even though that was, like, the mantelpiece for the film, and, I mean, you can consider this spoiler alert. We're not going to get too much into it. There's nothing to really spoil, to be honest. Yeah. But it mattered, but it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was the idea of his upbringing that mattered, and it was just like, oh yeah, and he's gay, and that, and that kind of carried over into especially the like the last story. Yeah. Um, but it really didn't matter to me, if that makes sense. For me, it was the execution of the three parts of the film. Mm -hmm. I, I I looked at the film more from a, I think a technical perspective. Mm -hmm. Like I liked how they sh how they showed this story. Mm. I, I was impressed with the ability to take one character and spread it across three actors. Indeed. Um, I mean, the story is not nothing new by any means, right. um, but that's the part that really sh struck to me was how the nuances from the first child actor translated into the second actor to the third actor. Now, I don't know what they did from the production standpoint, but watching the film, that felt like that was carried out very well. Mm. Yeah, I guess with like a, a lesser movie, it might have just been maybe a flashback to when he's a young kid and then him as an adult. But I think that whole, the middle part where he's a teenager in high school brings like a whole nother um, dimension to it. Like it really shows you his, like his transformation and like how he could become like the oldest, the oldest um, character. Right, right. So, so I guess that made it more, that made like the third story more accumulative. Like, so some of you kind of knew how he would react to certain things. Um, yeah. Like, you know, that the, the conversation. It's like, okay, now it's spoiler alert, right? Like the last conversation with him and Kevin, right? When they're inside the, when they're inside the, um, uh, the diner. It's like there's certain things that you. We knew up until this point it was hard to get information out of him. So it's like you're watching this conversation and, and you know, Kevin's sort of spilling everything, asking him mad questions, and Chiron's giving, like, these one-word, you know, couple-word sentence answers. And you're like, fuck, just, like, you know, we know you're feeling him. You know what I'm saying? Talk yeah. more. It's like, you know, because we knew the consistent aspect of him being a very minimal conversationalist. We were – I found myself engaged trying to, like, yo, motherfucker, like – Dude, I'm, when are you gonna get over this? <laughs> I think I think that's like like a defense mechanism that he's used even when he was a child. It's like he kept quiet to like kind of shield himself. 
Right. Especially like the way his mother talked to him. So Right. Like that was his defense. Like, cause what if he would have came out and the guy would have been like, Yo, I don't I don't do that. Like real you're, shit. You're gay. Nah, real that would have like complete dis- completely destroyed him. Oh spoil alert. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. No, no, that's a very good point. Well, I, piggybacking on the mom is that I like that there were other elements to this beyond him being gay. Mm. There were uh, his environment he grew up in, his mm-hmm. parents, his friends. I mean, it, it went a little bit past being gay. Right. Like it was, is I I like just showing how one human being can really be shaped by what happened to you as a child. Like these right. things can translate and they carry with you. You know, on top of his issues with Kevin. Right. So honestly, the funny part is. I didn't even think that Kevin was going to come back in the end. Really? I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't think that that was where the story was going to go. I I can see that because it's like, um, I think, I I forgot the director's name. Barry Jenkins. But yeah, he he intentionally like left out characters when they, every jump forward in like a new, a new timeline, he left out characters. Like in the second jump, he, he specifically left out, um, Maharshala Ali's character in the in the uh the last story, he specifically me- left out Janelle Monet's character. Right. So I could see them leaving out um Kevin's character. I think he was saying something like, "Cause people come in and in and out of your life, like right, for no rhyme or reason. So sometimes people are just gone. No, that makes sense. And he wanted to reflect that. Hey, yeah. I could see this maybe honestly as well, showing that Teresa and. Oh, was it? What was his uh, character's name? Wine? Wine. Wine, the drug dealer, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. That, you know, these were obviously positive things for him. Right. And they were gone. Mm. You know, and that, that, as he transitioned to different parts of his life, he lost these things. Right. And it contributed to his ultimate demeanor. Right. You know, so um, I like the fact that they didn't explain it. I think that you know you didn't have to literally spoon feed it to us, right? And and in a way, he lost his mom too, you know. So he lost her as well. I don't know when. Spoiler alert: We don't really care about spoilers around here. So if you're listening, yeah, uh, you should you should turn away. Well, definitely Um, go watch the film. I don't know when she was incarcerated or when she was. I don't know the other word for if she was at like admitted. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know when she was admitted to a psych ward or a health play clinic, whatever you want to call it. Right. So I interpreted it as a clinic more than anything. Yeah, because yeah. the because the, the visitation was a little too free. Yeah, you know there was it didn't seem like there was there was no indication that there was any or if it was like an extremely minimal security yeah, <laughs> situation. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I interpreted it as that too. But with all that being said, well, okay, so we said that uh, the three Chirons were really good. You know, they were just they, all three of them really did their thing. Yeah. Um. So we appreciated that as like. I don't. I wouldn't. Maybe not consider those breakout performances, but, m- but maybe you know. And then the fact that Mahershala Ali, you know, we talked about his trajectory. I mean, between kicks, between you know, Luke Cage, he got this uh, Moonlight. Uh, what else? House of Cards. Then you've got this new one. He's going to be in with Taraji about the uh, the NASA, the whole NASA oh, thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so you know, our whole thing was breakout performances so having said all that do we want to get into sure these breakout performances our top three that's what this show is going to be about our top three in a specific category in today's category is breakthrough performances so who's going first all right i'll go first fuck (laughs) i'm looking at y'all's faces all right so 
Corey, you and I kind of uh, talk. Huh? Well, do you want to just do one at a time? That might be interesting. Like you, you just pick one and then we go around. Oh, that's okay. Good, and circle back. Do we want to do that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do that. Well, in that case, let me hold on. Let me look at my list and let me see which one's the hard hitter. Okay. Okay. I know my order. Okay. All right. My first. My first prospect for breakout performance. Uh, I think this is pretty obvious, and I wouldn't be surprised if it made one of you guys' list. Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I had actually thought of that one. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Well, it was it was good, man. I mean, you got this young kid. DiCaprio couldn't have been no more than, what, 15, 16 at the time? You know, playing a, a mentally handicapped um, kid, you know, uh, alongside Johnny Depp, a young Johnny Depp, man. And uh, he held his own. He really did his thing. He was extremely believable. Um, and it was a very gripping performance. I, I think I watched that movie again. The last time I saw it was maybe about two years ago. And his performance does not date. It ages very, very well. So we all know Leo has gone on to do great things and just now got his first Academy Award for uh, Revenant. Revenant. Yep. So I think the path started there with uh, with what's eating Gilbert Grape. So that's mine. All right. I'm going to go uh, a little bit different interpretation, as I think all three of mine are going to have different reasons. Uh, this might throw you for a loop. I went with Hugh Jackman and X-Men. Ooh. Yeah, explain that. Um, some of this, though, in my opinion, you have to, it, you have to connect the dots going backwards a little bit. Um, yes, his performance, it, it's, it's a comic book movie. So was his performance cool? Great, whatever. Right. You know, but what I liked about it is that when you connect the dots going backwards, you have a guy who came from nowhere and has owned a character for 20 years. Real talk. You know, and has literally, you know, just embodied a character that a lot of young people, older people really loved and owned it mm. and said, I'm going to do this. This is the character that gave me my shot, got me out in the world, and I'm going to play it till I can't play it no more. Right. And 20 years later, he's going to do what Logan next year. He has said he's going to retire the role uh, and give that to someone else. Uh, I personally think he can still do it. But He's in great shape. Yeah, you know the guy it commits to the role. He, it, it, to, for me, sometimes a breakthrough role is about the impact that you leave mm. when you look back later. Right. So that's kind of my thing with him is that you came out, you came out, and you came out swinging. Nice. Okay. Hugh Jackman. I don't know about you, Martin, but that was a curveball for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, right. Did, did you did you expect anything like a, a Hugh Jackman? I mean, now that we connect it backwards, I understand what you're saying. But did you see that one coming? I, I didn't really see it coming because it's like I can't really think of that much great stuff he was in outside of like X Men except for like Swordfish, Prisoners. Oh Prisoners, yeah, Prisoners. Uh, yeah. The, the oh, magician Prestige. film. Oh, Prestige. Ooh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He did some stuff. Work, man. But it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So, but <laughs> but but now that you mention him, I'm on the page with you. I, that's just not. I wouldn't have come up with that myself. All right, on to you, Martin. All right, um, for me, uh, this was it. It was a film I uh, I saw in college, and it, I guess it really affected me. I just loved the performance, mm -hmm. and this actress, like, I kind of wanted to follow her and see like what she. I kind of became a fan just off of this performance. I wanted to follow her and see what else she does, and I'm really interested in like her career. 
and if she'll try to go like indie and stuff like that because she made a lot of money already anyway so, uh but it's uh jennifer lawrence and uh winner's bone oh Ooh. really Winner? i've never seen winner's bone no listen dude never winner's bone. bone whenever they get to talking about jennifer lawrence i yeah, think you put like, me on that film martin yeah it's like whenever people like talk about like might might try to trash Jennifer Lawrence. I just think of like Winner's Bone every time. We'd be like, yo, she really has some like great greatness in her. Some chops, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and that that film is just so affecting. Like, like the desperation and like the the poverty and like you you could see the situation. Like, well, well, the premise is kind of like her um her mother is in like a catatonic state. Um, she needs money to uh like raise her little brother. She's like a teenager or whatnot, and she's living in like the Ozarks. I guess it's like um near like Oklahoma. These these like mountains, kind of mm-hmm. like a poor rural type of uh, town. And she basically has to find her father, or or find out if he's dead. Because if he's dead, she could get the um, insurance, insurance money, money right to right. Uh, feed feed her and her brother and her mother right. And like that's the entire movie is her like on a mission to find her father, but it's just it's just a real tough movie and a real a real affecting one for right. me. Like, no, agreed, agreed. I mean, yeah, agreed. And uh, to me, the story, the movie Winner's Bone itself is just a very very powerful film to me. Um, it's so, it's so grounded in yeah. all that stuff you just said, you know. Then and, and and I feel like that that's a part of. That's a part of America that we really don't see that much yeah, in film. Exactly. You know, outside of like Harmony Corinne, you know, doing gummo yeah. or something like that, you know. Um, so I, I thought that that was a really good choice. But no, nah, that was a hell of, that was a good one. That was a good yeah. one. You made me feel bad because my list doesn't have any females. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so now I feel like extremely <laughs> yeah. misogynistic. But all right, so it's back on me. Okay, here's another one. Another one that uh, I think is pretty obvious once I say it. And to me, this this performance, I was. I think this movie came out in 97, 96 or 97. So I was, I want to say 11th grade when I saw this film. And I didn't really know much about like the context of like best actor and all that kind of stuff, you know, when I was in high school or whatever. But I knew that seeing that performance, I was like, yo, this motherfucker is on some other shit. Edward Norton in Primal Fear. Hmm. You guys seen it? Nah, I still haven't seen I've seen Primal bits and Fear. pieces of it. Oh my God. Well, Martin, I'm about to spoil it, this is it mother- better than like American History X. Well, okay, listen. It's two totally different roles. But yeah. uh, like after seeing Primal Fear, he was the man for the job. You understand oh, okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like one of those. It's like um, I don't think he would have ever got the opportunity to do American History X had Primal Fear, Fear never existed. Like, so the whole thing is Primal Fear, like he played an altar boy. The movie opens up with an archbishop being murdered, Yeah. right? And Edward Norton uh, is like the top suspect for it because he's seen fleeing the scene, bloody, you know, all that stuff. So um, it's like this big case in Chicago. It becomes this big case. And Richard Gere is this like heavyweight attorney who ends up taking on – he ends up representing him pro bono. But like – in public opinion, every they're already calling him like the butcher of Bakersfield or the bu- the butcher of something. They're basically like in a matter of public opinion, they're already calling him the killer. And so, you know, Richard Gere feel, feels like he didn't do it. So he comes to his defense. And when I said, well, basically he comes to find out that this kid has multiple personalities. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? And so he, 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 we find out early that one of his early personalities did kill the archbishop. At least he's claiming to have killed the archbishop. But dog, when I say the twist at the end is like unusual suspect status, bro. Yeah. Like, or or what's the other shit? The other shit that I never give my the credit to, uh, Rosebud. Oh, <laughs> oh Citizen Kane. Kane. When I say the twist is on, is well, like, I mean, Rose, Citizen Kane didn't. That wasn't. It was. It wasn't a twist, but it was yeah. one of those like holy shit moments. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he's still he's like a big kid or whatever yeah, the whole context yeah, yeah. of that was. Like, you know, the twist in Primal Fear was like, yo. Who is this dude? Edward Norton? I'm watching him for the rest of his fucking career. So, yeah. So, that's me. Yeah. I, I kind of felt that way after American History X. So, yeah. yeah I, I got to check that out. Primal Fears, that shit. The movie itself was, eh. But his performance, oh, oh baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, baby. Okay. It looks like it's so back to core. me. Yeah. Uh, I did choose a woman. Ooh. Uh, Sigourney Weaver in Alien. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, mm. that one a little bit for the cultural impact of that prior to that, uh, women were not seen as a strong antagonistic hero or whatever you want to say in that film. Anta- 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 well, not antagonist, what, but like, you know, protagonist, protagonist. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I, okay, okay. I was like, holy shit. Protagonist, you know, you're the hero. Um, you're the strong one. Of the group, I mean, the movie was made in the early seventies. You know, alien? Well, the first Alien. Alien, yeah. I thought it was the late. I thought it was could be 80s. late seventies. I mean, yeah, I could I be. Yeah. Like early All right. 80s. I mean, either way, uh, it was in seventies. No, yeah, it was yeah. definitely the seventies. I will tell 70s. you that. Okay. Alien. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So I found that for you to come out and you and you you're uh, you've changed the scope of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you've changed that a, a woman can be the hero. And they can win, be in not. I mean, because the movie's a horror movie essentially, not mm-hmm. really much as an action film like the second one was. But and then you, if you want to jump forward to Aliens, then she's become a full-on action heroine. Right. And so I think it it provided the alley oop for the woman to be a heroine and not some damsel in distress or some useless character that's being dragged along. Like she's she survived. She survived, mm. and she solved the ultimately the problem nice. of the film. Right. That so that was that was really Scott. That wasn't the James Cameron. It was really Scott. Right? Yeah, it was really Scott. Scott. Okay. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I I don't know. I guess I guess as far as like mainstream film, like film, like in genre film, she mm-hmm. kind of like pioneered that. I feel like Pam Grier kind of like she she did like mm. black exploitation though. So black exploitation right. wasn't like as mainstream. Like it didn't reach everybody. Like um. Or like those those type of like genre right. films like Roger Corman or whatever like those those type of movies didn't reach everybody like Alien reached mm-hmm. everybody. I, I can right. see your point with that. Yeah. I can see your point with that. Yeah, but Pam Grier definitely was. Hey, top I'm, top hey, bi. Hey, <laughs> when the coffee came out and she mm-hmm. shot that dude in the head with a shotgun, bro. I was like, yo, like okay. cinema has changed. Shit, bro, <laughs> that was crazy. That's a that's a wild scene to watch even now. Yeah, like, I know what? even now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's great. Yeah, yeah, coffee, coffee is the color. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right, back on you, Martin. Um, wow, I, I almost wanted to change it to Pam Grier, but uh, <laughs> I guess I guess the actor like I really like look forward to seeing his stuff. Um, like this this definitely wasn't his first movie. He already had like a career like over the seas or whatever. 
But over I guess uh, <laughs> over the seas. Okay, but, uh, but, yeah. but it's a uh, uh, Tom Hardy and uh, Bronson. Ooh, yeah, solid film, solid, very solid. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's like maybe seventy to eighty percent of that film is just his performance and just watching him like just completely inhabit this this Charles Bronson character. And it's just like amazing to watch and just watching like Nicholas Winding Weapon just let him go and like do his thing. Right. And how like the, the dedication he had to, to the role as far as beefing up and completely like changing the way he looks. And right. Acts. It was like, oh, I, he's, he, he could be like the next, um, what's Gary the, Oldman? Well, it could be Gary. Yeah, I guess Gary Oldman is like a better than like the There Will Be Blood dude. Oh, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. 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 Oh, Daniel Day Lewis is. I I yeah, wanted. I investigated Daniel Day Lewis, uh-huh. but the thing is, I never saw Last of the Mohicans. Me either. So oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to say it was him, and and because that's I, because well, after that, a, after Last of the Mohicans, it's well, a couple I, other films I haven't seen. I saw seen, it when so. I was a kid, but I don't remember it that well. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I think if if I'm not mistaken, man. I think he committed to being that kind of an actor. Um, what was the first film? I, I just wasn't on the committed. Daniel Day train till Gangs of like New Gangs York. New York. Yeah. So yeah. like I was like, man, I can't even say that because that's obviously not his breakthrough role. Right. But, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not too familiar with the entire scope of his career, but I think there was a point. You know how we were talking about Alec Baldwin just made yeah. the shift in the comedic, mm-hmm. you know, roles. I think there was a point where he was just like, yo. Psh, from now on, my roles have to be, and I'm only doing one every, you know, because I'm putting this much into it, yeah. you know, um, because it, it, there's a couple of movies. It looked like some he had a couple, you know, romantic films in there that it's just weird to see his name attached to, like, just a, a random movie. His brand now is so mysterious that, like, seeing him attached to something that is not mysterious almost feels weird, you know, in my case, right. but... Yeah, Tom Hardy, man, that was a good one. Well, yeah, I I just love his love to see like where his career is going next. Right, like it's like you know he did um well he did rock and roller before Bronson I think, but um like he was like it's funny because he was like a small dude in rock and rolling. He totally like beefed up for Bronson. Right. Of course, he beefed up for uh, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, wait a minute. Rock and Roller came before Bronson. I think I thought it did. I never saw Rock and Roller. Rock, I wasn't impressed. Like coming off Snatch. I wasn't impressed by Rock. I guess Roller, to be I guess what I'm impressed by is like seeing his character in that, and then seeing him in Bronson, like how he completely changed right. like everything about him. Agreed. Agreed. Like like that's that's great acting. Agreed. Um, and he also did like Inception. He just yeah. did Mad Max was probably like considered like one of the greatest like genre movies of this like decade. I think mm. the so. the remake or just the Mad Max uh, franchise in general. Oh, the remake. I think. The remake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to if they do a sequel. I'm very much looking forward to yeah. that. Well, I think I think they are. Right? I know. I mean, but oh, looking I'm looking forward. forward I think I'm looking forward to seeing. It. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I think. I think. I. I mean. I hope they don't do it too quick because it's it's a thing like where I don't know how long George Miller like waited between Mad Maxes, but I'm sure he was like he waited developing. Long. He waited. A long he was time. developing like that. <laughs> there was too. time. <laughs> like I think Mad Max Fury Road, like that, take a lot of time to like. Right storyboard and like figure out exactly how you're gonna do it because a lot of that stuff was practical so right what impressed me most about mad max was 
to be such a blockbuster, to be such a summer movie, and you can tell he got to do it the way he wanted to do it. It was so anti. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just, it felt like, I'm like, I'm watching this, 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 it feels like a $200 million indie film. (laughs) Right. That's the perfect way to put it. I I, I thought the color grading really said that. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was a very, very opulent film, but it was very gritty. Yeah. Like I was just watching, um, 25th Hour. You remember you came oh, in the yeah, other yeah. day and I was he's never seen 25th Hour. Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's never seen 25th Hour. Yeah. But uh, but that's like I feel like a lot of Spike Lee I feel like Spike Lee gets his DPs to sort of achieve that vibrant yet gritty sort of like look to it. And that's how 25th Hour was. Like it yeah. had a lot of saturated color, you know, spectrums, but it was very it was no mistake about it. It was gritty. This is indie, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so Anyway, um, that's the speech you think about Mad Max. Yeah. But yeah, Tom Hardy, that's a good one. That's a really good one. All right, so, well, that brings me to my my third one, which is kind of a good segue from yours, because uh, this is a British actor as well. And I have to say that it was hard. It was hard. There was two actors that I was going to bring up. Um, and I had to put this guy first because because he did like, he tricked the entire world, man, with this with this particular role. And this is my third choice is Idris Elba in The Wire. Okay. Oh, television. TV. We're we introduced television? TV. Well, conversation. I, I felt like that was a good breakout role. I didn't oh, know. Yeah. I didn't know we were just. You know, I'm. It's I'm sorry. Fine. If, I'm just, if I I'm jumped just, over. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, we're just bringing <laughs> we're emphasis we're to the fact it. that you switched. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't yeah, mind. That's fine. The rules yeah, that's bit. that's why I didn't pick like um, Michael K. Williams. I guess. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I well, I'm not gonna pick him now, but I was gonna pick Idris Elba for um, Beast of No Nation. Oh no, see, he killed that. Yeah. But but listen, The Wire though. So you never got into The Wire, right, Corey? I never did. No. Did you get into The Wire, Mark? Yeah. Okay. So Idris Elba plays, you know, a drug dealer basically, but he's like a, he's like. I hate to say, I, I don't want to use Donald Trump, but he's like the Donald Trump of fucking like, you know, drug dealing. Like he's all about like investments and he's just very methodical and very, he's he's the one that is like the CEO of this particular organization, which is like the Barksdale organization. So he's keeping the books. He's making sure everything runs as a machine. He's going to college courses for operations management and business management to learn how to be a more oh, effective wow. drug. De- yeah. He's like on that level. Is he American? In the- yeah. That's the thing. Okay. He, so he's playing like he's from Baltimore, you know, and he has a, a great American accent. It'd be funny though, if he was selling drugs and he was like, oh, good day, mate. Right. Well, that, that, <laughs> but see, I'm going to take it a step further though. He was doing interviews as an American mm. to keep that facade together. It wasn't until, it, it seemed like it wasn't until his character and his character got killed off in the third season. And it, it's like, I didn't, nobody realized he was British until after his character died. So I was like, yo, this motherfucker, like, the reason why I had to give it to him is because his, first of all, his performance in that, his, his, man, there were so many good characters in The Wire, but there was like, because there was just so many characters in The Wire. His character was top tier, like up there with Omar, Michael K. Williams' character, and then I think Marla was up there too, in terms of like characters. Um, His character was so top tier because it was so many layers to his genius, to his brilliance. And 
um, he was running an organization the way that the guy who was really at the top of the organization really didn't want to. He didn't want to run it legit like that. He wanted to take it, make it legit and launder the money. So anyway, but the reason why I had to give it to him is because his not only was his performance in the show popping and off like very, very believable, but for it to translate over into press junkets and, and interviews, it's like he like he really took on the like what they, that was a method actor for real, yeah. like down to real life. Christian Bale does it too, I believe. Yeah, he'll he'll do the whole American. If he plays American character, he'll continue the accent. Yeah. Nice. I just yeah. think that that's a smart. That's just a smart ploy, you know, because yeah. you don't want people to disassociate. Um, I don't know. It. it I mean, I I commend them. I yeah. really do. But I don't know. As a consumer of media product, I, I don't care either. But yeah, it doesn't make me go like, oh, you're British. Oh. But yeah. that's the thing that when 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 people found and see this is like pre memes and all that mm-hmm. shit when people found out that he was British it kind of fucked people up mm-hmm. like people that were big fans of the Wire they were like yo this nigga is British excuse me you know obviously I'm black I'm saying nigga. yeah yo this nigga is <laughs> yeah, British yeah. and his name is Tremaine yeah, yeah. well Tremaine's a Scottish name I think we've talked about that before yeah sure yeah. show me a Scott named yeah, Tremaine yeah, but yeah. anyway but um yeah so that, that kind of like broke people's hearts. For real, it was like, yo, Patrick Ewan with the finger roll, man. Yeah. It broke people's hearts. They were like, yo, he's British. I can see that. You know, sometimes we, we, we've had conversations about that where the the actor and their culture, do they represent the character they're playing? And is that fair to do that in mm-hmm. lieu of, you know, things like that? Right, so, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, all that, yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. If you ask me, but yep. So that's my third pick. It's on okay. you. My third pick was uh, Rafe Fines from Schindler's List. Mm. I've always found that Rafe Fines is the dark and scary Gary Oldman, and really, yeah, I've always found him to be the dirtier, dark and scary version of mm. Gary Oldman. Um, I thought Gary Oldman was pretty dark <laughs> and scary. I mean, that's just my I opinion. Mean, you know? I mean, it's loose, you know, because obviously dark and scary makes you think villain, you know what I mean? But, like, they, they've both played good guys and villains. But they're they're both chameleons, I think. Right. I've always found yeah. them to be both chameleons. But Gary Oldman's a little more wholesome mm. more when he's a chameleon about it. Um, I think that Ray Fiennes is a little more obvious. But um, looking back on that film... Uh, he was really evil, okay. you know, per the character he was playing. He, I, I want to say, don't quote me on it. He was playing a combination of characters. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I don't know if he represented one real life character, mm. not a character, but a real life person. Right, right. But he, I could be wrong. He could have represented. But he was very evil, and um, but he was very evil in a very calm, he planned was. thought way yeah he was and uh i felt that that was really effective on right. screen and then part of mine sometimes breakout role is looking at the future um i never really realized that was his first really breakout role see me neither until you yeah, just when said you that. look at his history you're like oh it was so i'm thinking back like yeah ray fines like he's been around for a long time All right and then but i could never say to myself what was his breakout role mm-hmm. he, it's just like he just got into hollywood and he and I think that's a a good thing too. Mm-hmm. When an actor just kind of is here, you know, and you can't really even pinpoint it. They're just here. It's like they belong yeah. here. And you and you have to actually go to the data and say, Well, where where did you actually become someone I knew about? Right. So 
And I think that that was, he's one of the, him and Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's kind of older, so he probably has some stuff I've just never heard of right, when right. I was younger. But um, well, The Professional is the first time I remember seeing him. That's, we're going to talk about The Professional if we get to runner-ups. Ooh, I, run I up guess that's for Natalie Wait. Portman if I had to guess. Was The Professional yeah. before, um, what's that Tony Scott movie with um Christian Slater? That was like a oh true romance. True romance. Um, the professional. Oh man, I think the professional was maybe like ninety four. Well, we got to think about all right. Natalie Portman was born eighty one. I know that because I'm born in eighty one. And then she was she had to been about ten or eleven when she did that. So maybe that was like ninety two. Uh, professional is ninety four. Oh, ninety four. Excuse me, uh-huh. I'm way off. Yeah, you were right. Ninety four. So yeah, true romance came before that, right? Because True Romance is like 91. I've never seen True, True Romance. True Romance was pre-Reservoir Dogs. Cause it's... True Romance was 93. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Where's my time? My time adjustment is like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen True Romance. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Gary Oldman's off the chain in that. Yeah. Like, yeah he's pretty crazy. Like, it's, it's probably one of the performances you kind of want to hide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true romance. Anyway, we're not going to get into that, how I <laughs> yeah. feel about Tony Scott's movies. But anyway, we already because rest in peace. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Tony Scott. All right, Martin, it's on you. Um, yeah. I guess I was going to go with um, Idris Elba. I really wanted to go with the kid. I think it's Abraham Atta, right? Whoa. But like he, he, like he, don't, he ain't getting no calls. <laughs> like, I know. He is, like he did, he had a, such a great performance, and it's just not. And we're talking uh, about beast and donation, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. not working out. Um, so I guess I went with the actor who, uh, probably like one of the most prolific actors, like maybe of all time, like. But not, but known for doing more like uh, side characters or villains or. Oh, oh, I think I got an idea. Does his first and I'm name mad. Start with a B. Nah. Oh, start shit. with an A. Nah. Oh man. Okay, all right, I, it makes mind. me want to change my list. Right. To be honest yeah. with you. Oh. Oh yeah. I guess I just put this because it's just nice seeing like someone who like breaks like the rules as far as like black actors in Hollywood and stuff like that. Okay. And kind of like made his own way. Okay. Um, and I guess I'm gonna go with uh, and I mean, clear, he's still making his way now. Like people call him for damn near every movie, but I'm gonna go with uh Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Wow. But you consider that a breakthrough role? I consider that the breakthrough role for him. I can understand that. I could. Because the only time I, I, I remember seeing him before that was like a couple Spike Lee I could, films. Yeah. I, I can see your point with I that. I can see. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. the film that like gave him all the rest of the work that he has pretty much. I think. I mean, he still has like a certain amount of work in the black community, like black films and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think Pulp Fiction was like, oh, we could put this guy in anything and right. he's just going to like bring a lot of flavor to it and excel. Right, right. Damn, Sam Jackson, yeah. That motherfucker's work. He works, he man. Work. He, he yeah, works that, guy, that guy's a... Y- y'all ever see uh, Goodfellas? You remember he had the little mm-hmm. role yeah. of Goodfellas? Uh, oh, yeah, man. That's a working dude. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Pulp Fiction, that was a serious role, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was a hard, <laughs> that was a hardcore role, man. Why is, why is Tarantino so good at, like, dialogue? I remember watching... Pulp Fiction when I was like 10 years old. I didn't and get it. One, didn't really get it. Two, I was aware that I was like, I'm 10 years old. I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> I was literally like, I don't think I'm supposed to watch this film. Have so. have 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 any of you guys ever tried to explain to somebody what Pulp Fiction was actually about? Man, like I barely know what it's about. Like, give, like, like trying to give a log line for Pulp Fiction, right? The the adventures of two <laughs> yeah. hitmen and what well, is more than that? Uh, uh, well, of course, right. it's like several characters. It's weird, dog. Like it's it's very hard to explain. It's like, like interconnecting stories in L.A. Right. Um, between like I guess the under well not the underworld but like a criminal um characters mm-hmm. or something like that. Was Tarantino, did he kind of like coin that style? Of those, the way he did his film? Yeah, the way he like, how, how like, it, you know, it's like chapters of a book and then all these chapters mean something to the big picture. I'm sure he didn't coin it. Like, I'm, I'm sure he got it from somewhere else and he kind of remixed it because that's pretty much what he does. Right. But I, don't, I can't think of any like films before I, that. I can't think right. of a film before that that had that kind of art feel right that got such critical acclaim and position in the world right you know i think there were movies like that i mean obviously i was younger so i can't see what the budding film community looked like back then but to be nominated for best picture and look like an art film right i think that was what was big for that Mm. yeah and then i've always had because i've never i've never been one of the guys that read any of his scripts Mm. i always wondered like does he write his scripts that way, or is that more of like I know at the time before she passed away, Sally Menke was uh-huh. was editing his pictures. Should the credit be given to her, or is that the way he wrote his scripts? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I always wondered that too. Um, and you uh, know, just being that I never read any of the scripts, the only script I read was uh, Django, I think. Okay, but I, I I think it pretty much plays out the way it is in the movie, right? Like he. Like the he cuts out stuff, like I think there's like there's more rape scenes in the uh, script than there's like I don't think there's really any in the movie that I could really think of. No, the, well they raped his wife, right? Well, I don't think they showed it though. Like in the script, it like show shows it like. Oh, okay, it was pretty graphic. Like pretty graphic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I, I thought they raped his wife, and and that's kind of what set him. That's not really what set him. Well, it set him off. He's a slave, but. That they, no, I don't think they actually ever raped his wife in the film. Mm. I mean, they they put her in a box, like they put her in that hot box or whatever. I right. think that's like the worst they may do to her. Oh, okay, okay. I've only seen Django one time. Me too, and it's I'm having a hard time recalling the memory of the movie. It, it, me too. Honestly. Me too. I remember liking it though. Yeah, I, I remember liking it. You know, I remember. Yeah, I really remember saying like, "Yo, like I don't get why people are so pissed about this film." Um, I, I I thought it was enjoyable, and everybody gave a stellar performance. Mm-hmm. I thought I even thought that your arch nemesis, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not going to even your that. arch nemesis, <laughs> yeah, even even Jamie Foxx, man, oh, man even okay. Jamie Foxx. He's not my arch nemesis because well, you you hate him just. I don't much. hate him. Yeah, I just we've had we're going to dedicate an entire episode to yeah, your hatred of Jamie Foxx because hatred, many hours have been lost. I think he's. I just think he's overrated, but I think he is talented. It's he weird. hasn't done much lately. If you really look at it, I mean. <laughs> I mean, you know, when the cat's out the bag, it's out the bag. Oh, okay. you know, you you know. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Maybe he's just sitting around counting his money or something. Okay. Anyway, no, that was those were those were good. And it sounds like we all had some good honorable mentions. When I said started with a B, I thought your last one was going to be Benicio del Toro, mm. and oh, then yeah. and then that would I guess his breakout role would have been Usual Suspect. Yeah. Nah, man, Fear of the Gun. 
Way of the Gun. Way of the Gun. Sorry, Way of the Gun. Way of the Gun. Yeah, that was good, but I feel like no, nah, I feel like if you're gonna give it the way of the gun, you got to give it the traffic first. I could see you giving your traffic. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah, see that, you giving it traffic because nobody saw way of the gun, but the three people in this room. Right, I don't even think Martin saw it. No, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. us two. <laughs> I yeah, own it's that good. Movie. It's a good movie. It's a really uh, good movie. James Con, Nikki Cat, uh, mm. even Ryan, Ryan Felipe. Felipe, bro. Philip Felipe, it's not Felipe. Philippe, bro. Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Philippe. Are we gonna? Oh, yeah. Are we gonna go through honorable <laughs> mentions again? Uh, well, uh, I, I don't. I don't really have any um, set per se, but it, but yeah, I thought Benicio del Toro. But it sounded like you were. I'm gonna, gonna be honest, important. man. It makes me want to change my list. Yeah, because what he said, and I just totally didn't think of him. Mm-hmm. I it just for some reason it yeah, didn't pop up. So my head. many performances. So many. Al Pacino and The Godfather. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Honestly, you could take anyone off my list and just go ahead and replace it with Al Pacino on The Godfather. But listen, if you're going to give it to Al Pacino, you got to give it to De Niro on The Godfather, Godfather too. Godfather too. Mm. Or De Niro like, and Taxi Driver. And that would be Ooh, yes. my. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with Taxi Driver Ta- before Godfather. And that yeah. that's on my list because I know, you know, my lists have been tailored for different reasons. That would be performance only. Right. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, just. Flat out killed it. Right. See, I, I thought it was too obvious to give it to like a De Niro or Pacino. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I, I, that's I why I didn't go that route. It's with weird. It yeah, you're right. Because I, I didn't, I, but I didn't think of them at all. It's weird. I'm like thinking back, I didn't think of them, but mm. I tried to think of things that were a little different. Right. Something that was more impactful, but you're right. Like when you break it down to just general performance, I think they did it. Right. See, and that's funny. Okay. Because another person that I was like, I'm just not going to put him in there because I felt like it was almost too obvious. Um, and, and when it came down to him or Idris Elba was uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah. I thought that would be too obvious. Yeah. So. Well, because some people, you know, they, they come out, it, it's weird. They, they come out the gate swinging, they do a good job and then they continue to do a good job. Yeah. And then, I don't know, it's, it's, it's more impactful to, I think the process yeah. to notice someone to to see them grow as a person. Right. He has so many movies that you could say like was his breakout. His breakout. Yeah. Like, I guess as far as like mainstream and making him mega star, that's like Malcolm X. I was gonna say, Malcolm but he has so X, many right? before that where Glory. he like he was already like nominated for stuff. So virtuosity. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Russell Crowe's breakout Russell performance. Crow, virtuosity. That movie bro. is so trash. <laughs> Well, if we can, I got a list here. Of oh, honorable mentions? Yeah, 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 let's hear well, yours, man. I got Scarlett Johansson in Lost in Translation. Ooh. I got Tom Cruise in Risky Business. I've okay. got Sandra Bullock in Speed. Mm. I got Natalie Portman for The Professional. I got Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Ooh, that's a good one. And um, Eddie Redmayne for Good Shepherd. Yeah, we talked mm-hmm. about that. I got two at the bottom. That's of, the CIA one. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a great. The movie. two at the bottom of my list are strictly for some strange reason. When I watched these films, mm-hmm. I was like, "That person's gonna be somebody." Mm-hmm. So their performance was whatever it was, but it, and it definitely didn't. It wasn't really even a lot. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, internally, I said, "I'm gonna watch this person," mm-hmm. and I felt that the ability to make me want to watch you. And watch your career is is a good enough to say it. that's a good breakout performance. Okay, which I gave to Eddie Redmayne for Good Shepherd, and this is a crappy movie, but I'm giving Oscar Isaac and Sucker Punch. 
Oscar Isaac suck a punch. So you, yeah. So, so you watch like Eddie Redmayne's performances like uh, Jupiter Ascending. Okay. All right. Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, I, miss, I miss Re- that reference. Jupiter Ascending is <laughs> not, not a good, not a very good film. <laughs> but yeah, did, did you see Fantastic Beasts? Like what he's doing I haven't there? seen Fantastic Beasts. Um, but I, I really liked what he did in Good Shepherd. I like what he did in The Danish, uh, Danish Girl. I like what he did in uh, the, the movie about the scientist. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But you got best oh, actors. Yeah. You got Stephen best Hawking actor thing. for it. He did a great job. He did a fantastic job. He looks like he commits. And I see, and this is yeah. what we were talking about with The Good Shepherd, right? Because mm-hmm. me and Corey had this conversation yesterday. Um, when I saw Good Shepherd, Eddie Redmayne, I was just like, oh, well, they casted somebody who looked like a blend between Angelina Jolie and, and, yeah. and Matt Damon. You know, I, I didn't look at him like, I didn't see his career going to where it went, where it's gone to. Like this, I didn't see this person that was like so committed and you know and and had so much to say via cinema i just saw it as like it was just a good casting you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying so he's one of those uh if i were to give it to him it'd be for looking backwards yeah you know mm-hmm. um but my my thing oscar isaac i just i don't know sucker punch i saw that movie i didn't really like the movie that much but i saw that guy and i said that guy's gonna be somebody right I did. That guy is gonna. He's gonna go on to do some cool stuff, and he's gone on to do some amazing some things. Amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have been claiming Oscar Isaac for a minute. Yeah, and and it wasn't until, I mean, uh, the Lewin Davis film. I liked him in that. Which is funny. I didn't see that. Oh, that's the no. one I haven't seen. He was, you know, he was the. I mean, he was Lewin yeah. Davis. You know, so he was the, he was the main he was the main role. I think the one for me, where it kind of settled in, where I was like, I really like Oscar Isaac, was um, a most violent year. Yeah, that was yeah. most people would say. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I really liked I really liked the tone of that film personally, you know. But just his character because, yeah. you know, I, I kind of thought he was on some dirty shit too, you know. But he, just because of how he looked, I hate to say that, you know. Yeah. But he was really clean. He was really like by the book. He just played it very well to where you always questioned. You knew he. You knew he potentially had that side to him. Um. So it was hard to believe that he was a straight arrow, you know, and and he was a straight arrow. So yeah, I loved him in um in a uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, I was Ex actually Machina. gonna put like Alicia Vikander on on mine for Ex Machina. Yeah, because I really like like I feel like the same way as far as Jennifer Lawrence. I really want to see where her career goes and stuff. Right, like what type of stuff she does because I think she's a really dope, really dope actor. Yeah, no, she definitely is. The fact that you brought up Most Violent Year though, I couldn't put her on the list, but I. Because eventually, when I thought about it, it went from breakout to just you did a really good job mm-hmm. with Jess- Jessica Chastain in oh, Most yeah, Valley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And looking at her body of work too, I was like, ah. I I eventually threw her back in the. You just did a good job. Yeah, but you just did a really good job. Great actress, but yeah, I like her body of work too. Mm-hmm. Like her yeah. selection process. Um, damn, who who would be some honorable mentions on my behalf? I mean, we talked about some good ones between Pacino, De Niro, shit, man. Joe Pesci, Goodfellas, bro. Yeah. Is that his breakout role, though? Is I mean, he doing stuff? Listen, I can only name like three films that he's been in. <laughs> well, besides like the Home Alone. Like, you know? the yeah. Weapon <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. But yeah, was, uh, yeah, I feel like his Goodfellas performance really like set the tone. And I'm going to say one that's not really that obvious, but if you really think about it and think about how outstanding, even though I don't pay attention to his career now, how much longevity he's had, yo, man. Eddie Murphy, Forty Eight Hours. Oh yeah, mm. well, I've was, never seen it. 
48 was before Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, right? 48 okay, was before yeah. Beverly Hills Cop, dog. But I don't I think Trading Places might have came before that. I, oh, I'm yeah. not 100% sure. But yo, 48 hours, dog, Eddie Murphy. If you think think about it, he's a stand-up comedian, bro. Uh-huh. A stand-up comedian that like has had has got paid 20 million dollars for movies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like and then even now, he's still putting mm-hmm. out, he's still, I'm not going to say relevant, but he's still a player, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, you know, I think his role in 48 Hours was just very, very dynamic, especially for the, you know, the time frame that we were in, what we were seeing in cinema, um, sort of a, a a black man take control, you know, the whole scene, I'm the new sheriff in town, yeah. you know, people reference that a lot, you know, 48 Hours. So I think that was a hell of a breakout role for him. And I think I, I want to say that that movie is kind of like, it, um, I don't want to say the the whole buddy cop thing, mm-hmm. but didn't that kind of like start the trend of that? Did that come before? Who was the buddy weapon? cops? Eddie Murphy and and Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Okay. Yeah, but they were both like you know Nick Nolte was a fucked up cop, <laughs> yeah. you know he was like a drunk and all that shit, and then and then. Um, uh, Eddie Murphy wasn't really a cop; he was a convict, but he was being used to, I guess, aid in, you know, in catching a criminal, which ultimately makes him a cop. So, well, uh, well it wasn't Forty Eight Hours came out in nineteen eighty two? Okay. Then there were, I guess, I don't know when Lethal Weapon, but you know, obviously, those are the two that I've always thought of. And Lethal Weapon came out in eighty seven. Yeah. So, so yeah, so Forty Eight Hours, mm-hmm. I guess, set the tone for like what you hate, Corey Buddy Cop. I do, I'm not a big fan of Buddy Cop yeah, movies, but so you know. Um, so those would be a couple of my, uh, I feel like I need to name a woman <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say Michael J. Fox for Back to the Future. Um, no, I mean, why would you be surprised? I mean, you like Back to the Future. I do like Back yeah. to the Future, but I mean, it, it's, What's it's sad. What's his career like after that? Yeah, like, it's uh, like, you know, yeah. damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> you, you had that, then, you, you know, yeah. Teen Wolf. Um, uh, I think that came first. Though. Yeah, actually, I maybe Team Wolf came first. And then, yeah, my, my knowledge of how much you know Michael J. Fox, uh, you yeah. know, uh, what's yeah. the Sha La La La? What show was that that he was on? You remember the show? Uh, I I think I know what you're talking about. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just I just don't remember know the, the theme title. song at the mm-hmm. end. Sha La La La, like Family Matters. No, Family, family Ties. Family Ties. Yeah, Family Ties. Um. So yeah, my you know I don't know. I couldn't. Do you have any honorable mentions? Martin? I want to do. Do do uh, Matthew McConaughey, but like he's been, I guess, his breakout like in the like the the period he is in now is like True Detective, mm-hmm. but he had been in so much stuff before. Like, of course, even starting with um Days and Confused. Never seen Days and Confused, but mm-hmm. so and he had done like a lot of romantic comedies before that. So. I don't know, like he was already kind of a household name before he even like got into like serious like dark roles or indie roles and stuff like that. Right. The first time I remember who he was as an actor was um the racist lawyer movie. Oh the Oh, oh wait, time, Samuel, to kill. Jackson, time to kill. Time to kill. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah. probably the first time I kind of became aware of who who he was. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess if we're gonna talk women, honorable mentions, I I, I guess I'd yeah, be moved not name, to name a woman. Yeah, yeah, Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. yeah she jo- was a child actor. Yeah, though. she was a child actor. Well, yeah, too. but I mean outside of she was in Taxi Driver and then yeah. what any what other films did she really get like acclaimed yeah, for? True. Yeah, she was only in like maybe a few minutes of Taxi Driver. So. Yeah. 
But well, we've all, like you said, going back to the beginning, was that it's subjective. We've all named different reasons why we think someone was a breakout role. And some of it's just purely the fact that we noticed. That right. Someone could really argue, like, Oscar Isaac, are you kidding me? Like, but I noticed. I noticed. Right. You right. know, and but that could also be because we're more in tune with movies. But, you know, everyone has their own reasons for why. You know? Crazy part is in Sucker Punch, man. I'm really trying to remember it, and I don't remember him in them. I remember John Hamm. Was John Hamm? Yeah, John Hamm was the was the Lebowski dude. He was like the evil doctor. He was like the evil doctor. Right. Yeah, I don't. I I really don't remember Oscar Isaac in Sucker Punch. I think I was. I'm gonna be honest. I think I was just paying so much attention to the girls in that movie that like everything else sort of like everything was so stylized that it just uh, didn't. Zack Snyder does that. Yeah, it looks like a comic book. Everything. Yeah, he does a great job at it, but. Yeah, I do. I have to admit that out of all, out of his entire portfolio, that probably is like the out of before the Man blemish. of Steel. Oh, I forgot about Man of Steel. See, he redeemed himself so well with like Batman vs Superman. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even though I agree with you, yeah, but many yeah. of people will not agree with you know, yeah, seemingly Man you Steel. and me that yeah. Batman vs Superman was not the worst film I've ever seen. It really wasn't. I don't get why I get so much crap. Yeah. To be honest. Then, but Suicide Squad on the other hand. Oh yeah, let's not do that. Um, yeah. Oh, but okay, another honorable mention for me: um, Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I forgot. Corey still hasn't seen Goodwill Hunting. Seen Good oh, Hunting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great. on Netflix. I really should just sit down. And watch yeah, that. you really should just sit down and watch that. It was that was a breakout for so many reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that was the first time that I can remember seeing Robin Williams in not a funny character. He's only got a handful of them. Uh-huh. That's one. Then you got what's the Christopher Nolan one? Insomnia. Oh yeah. You never seen Insomnia, Corey? I've seen bits and pieces of Insomnia. You don't remember that Robin Williams? Yeah, I know he's the, the he's the bad guy. Oh, and Al okay. Pacino's okay. chasing him in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. I've never seen all of it. Damn, bro. I mean, listen. I don't make this all about me because I know there's a couple films y'all haven't seen, but yeah, I just bro. it seems like I'm the one who's. But you're like a you're like a Nolan fan though. I am. It's just the one I haven't seen. It's you I want to see. Seen, you haven't seen Following. I've seen Following. We seen talked it. about that. How oh, he gets yeah, framed yeah. at the oh, end. Oh yeah, you have seen Following. I'm trying to think. There's another one. There's got to be another one in there. You haven't seen oh. another one. Oh well. Seen I, the Prestige. I've seen Memento. I've seen Memento several times. Uh, seen Inception. Seen everything. Okay. All right. So Insomnia is the one. Yeah. I think Prestige is the strongest film. That's the funny part. Yeah. Yeah, I fought it for a while, but I, I think you're right. I fought it for a long... Oh, wait a minute. You never saw Interstellar, did you? No, I've seen Interstellar. Oh, okay. Yeah, I fought it for a while, but I think you're absolutely right. Prestige might be... See, for me, it was like, is it Memento or Prestige? See, I think in terms of that style of filmmaking and that style of storytelling, mm-hmm. Memento through the alley-oop, but Prestige did the slam dunk. Yeah. Now, obviously, Memento has some points that I like about it, because of the twist and the, the creativity. But to me, Prestige showed that you can tell a story out of order and it just completely makes sense. Yeah. Like you watch it and you just get it. Like you don't have to, I don't get, you know, it's hard, it's hard to explain it in a way. Like right. it's completely out of order and you get it. You See, get every, you're not confused any step of the way. And, and see, and that brings me, that's back to that whole thing with Tarantino. Like, mm-hmm. is the script that way or was it just edited that way? 
Mm. You know, like that that I don't know, that that's that's an interesting one for me. Like you know, did you write it with the intention of being this three card Monty? Mm. Or did it just feel right to do it that way? And this is kinda like your thing, you know, because not mm. most of his movies are, you know, th- this whole time is just is mixed up, you know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, and it seems like a device in a lot of his films, but I don't know. It's just, a, it's just I wish I read more scripts to, to to know the answer to that. Any more honorable mentions, or is that kind of where we jump off the oh, train? Yeah, I feel yeah. I love kung fu movies, so I just throw one out there like Jet Li. Um. I guess uh, as far as like mainstream coming to America, it was probably like Lethal Weapon Lethal 4. Lethal Weapon 4, yeah. Like he, I love all his movies like before then, though, like the Kung Fu movies he did in China. So. I've got one before for Jet Li. I remember seeing Black Mask in yeah, theaters. Mask. In theaters. Ooh, Saw it, yeah. 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 Like, you know, with the subtitles and right, everything. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry. No, that wasn't subtitle. That was dubbed. Yeah, but right, right. Did- I think I still have the DVD. It's funny. Is it safe to say that Jet Li came through and ruined Jackie Chan's career? No, I don't. I wouldn't I don't say think that. He did. They, I, they like, two different Chan's things. More like, um, like he he said he got his inspiration from those brothers. I forgot what they're called. Like the early Marx film, brothers, the Marx brothers, mm-hmm. or whatever. Where he's more of like a comedian and stuff. When he's fighting, but he's doing comedy at the same time. Right, but like, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like you know, Jet Li comes in and just fighting. Scenes to a whole nother yeah. dimension. Like, do you even do you even if, take Jet Li? I mean, Jackie Chan serious anymore? If anything, I, I don't. I I treat it like how like when one thing gets popular, it brings a bunch of other stuff along with it. Right. But I will say, I felt like Jackie Chan. He established it. He became America Americanized, whatever you want to call it, kind of first, and then as a byproduct, other people just came along with it. Right. And Jet Li just. No, I'm not saying him personally rode the, the coattails. It's just that's what happened. He well, got offered more roles because he was very popular in Asia. Right. Well, he didn't come before Bruce Lee, though. So. Of course. He did yeah, not come. None of them yeah. came before Bruce Lee. But sure I'm gonna, I watched a lot of the old school stuff. A lot of the Drunken Master and, yeah. and the, the New Legend. I I'm, I got this one. I, if I, can, I might have the VHS somewhere. It's called oh. The New Legend of Shaolin, man. Oh, wow. It's this great, cheesy... The really cheesy kung fu flick with Jet Li in it. It's a it's a really great film. You gotta break that out. Princess Red Bean. If anybody's familiar with Princess it. Red Bean. Yeah, if anybody's familiar yeah. with, y'all know what I'm talking about. Princess Red Bean. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I gotta watch it to get it on the inside. It was joke just this, and, and the, the poisonous man. That was the villain, man. He, he Jet Li screwed his. I mean, you know, it's just one of those. It's one of those Wu Tang movies. Right. Yeah. I, I don't even know Wu Tang, but it's part of that era of those movies. I remember when I when I saw the uh, the movie The Killer for the first time, and I realized how many references that like were on the purple tape for oh, uh, for Raekwon from The Killer. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> I was like, yo, this is like y'all got like every scene in this movie. I actually movie had several Wu-Tang of the VHS tapes that were like the Wu Tang series. I used to get them from Sam Goody and Coliseum Mall. Nice. Man, it was yeah. like the Wu. They were like green, and I had them all like laid out and. I, I, yeah, the Wu collection. I wonder how that worked with like copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, like probably that. happy. Yeah, they oh. would probably. I could just imagine. Rizzo, yo, 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 God, I'm, I'm about to make kung fu movies. I'm about to take your yeah. brand to a whole other level in America. Just okay. let me, just let me, just let me hold your name. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right, guys. Well, I guess this is a an official wrap up. It's come to an end. Oh, we've what's, had. A, what's the next movie we trying to watch? 
Fox. Handmaiden. Well, I want to see Handmaiden if it comes out over here. Correct. Handmaiden. Correct. Handmaiden. The uh, it's Char- uh, Chan Chan Wu Park. 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 Okay. Park. Yeah, the guy who the guy who did the original Old Boy, the Korean oh, filmmaker. Okay. Yeah, the yeah, much dog. better version. Yeah, dog. Yeah, Which, I want to see Handmaiden too. I know we've had our disagreements about Spike Lee, but <laughs> I uh, Man, definitely hated the Old Boy remake. Yeah. Well, listen, Spike Lee. Necessary. Yeah, it was, man. Well, you know what was even more unnecessary? When when Spielberg was attached to the project. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, when I Spielberg do remember was that. Atta- yeah, I think that would have been way more unnecessary. I do actually think that uh, the lead actor, what's his name? Uh, Josh, Brolin? Josh, Josh Brolin. I actually thought Josh Brolin did a good job. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Yeah. He, he just was, the movie sucked. Just the, the movie, it, it's just one of those movies that just doesn't need a remake. Yeah. It just didn't, you know. So, anyway. Yeah, well, Handmaiden. Okay. Well, we'll try to we'll try to watch Handmaiden, and then we will cover or create a, a topic that will segue into a good podcast, and we'll go well, from there. Either that or Rogue One, whichever one comes out, I guess. Rogue One. I could tell you one person at the table is not going to see Rogue One. Well, I will eventually. <laughs> this might take me fifteen years. <laughs> I still got to finish the uh, the prequels. I'm you know I'm like episode one after as I saw far, episode as far one as I was yeah. just the loose, the loose story that uh and the the write-up you you probably don't need to see it yeah. um it would help but i i i firmly believe you don't need to see it because well, it's actually the prequel it takes place between the prequels and the new oh the, okay yeah it takes place between episode three and episode four. Oh well i just want to see him just because before the prequel and then i i want to hurry up and get the john boyega's performance just because yeah. i don't know i just want to see it but anyway so i'm not in a rush to see him you're probably right i won't see rogue one when it comes out shitty but sad it is what it is man so i guess this is the end of the first you're, you're episode gonna take uh, sienna to see moana moana what's that moana Moana. It got like a lot of good reviews. Moana. The Hawaiian, or it's like a Hawaiian, like you know, like Island Disney Pacific does like princesses and stuff. This is the Hawaiian one. Oh no! If I got to see it in theaters, no, my oh, daughter, yeah. she's a waste of money in theaters right now. She, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she doesn't get the concept that I'm supposed to sit here in the dark and watch this. Like we took her to see, I think the last movie we attempted to take her to see, and it, well, it actually did kind of work. Was the Minions. But oh, that's yeah. because she was already familiar with the minions. Yeah. You see, so if she watches a movie where she's not familiar with something, all bets are off, man. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's just the child ticket, you know, uh, yeah. a child ticket and two adult tickets, which is about fifty dollars <laughs> yeah. nowadays. Plus popcorn and drinks. <laughs> yeah, that you go ahead and just throw right in the trash because when she's ready to go, she's ready to go. So yeah. if it comes to Netflix or Amazon Prime, I'm all on it. Oh yeah, it probably will. Yeah. So till the day. All right, well, great first episode. We will continue to have these talks and pretend that we're uh, movie critics. Right, man. To and some then, degree. And guys, remember, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are, we kind of not. We're just a bunch of guys that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.